The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. My name is Tug Coward. I always introduce you to the guys that can help you when you need them the most. And that is when something has happened in your life and you have an incident with law enforcement or um, anything that happens in the legal system. How do you get help? You reach out to either Bruce or Ray and they can guide you. Bruce, how do people get a hold of you? Well, great to be here today. Uh, certainly easy to find me, Hagen-Law.com, H-A-G-E-N-Law.com. We'll be uh, putting up some photos uh, shortly from the 30th celebration, uh, 30th anniversary celebration that we had this week. I'm cool. so glad you guys made it Thank there. you for the invite. It was great to see you both and great to have you out there. We, we had a nice night, so uh, it was really nice. So anyway, yeah, we'll put some pictures up from that event. But Hagen-Law.com, my phone number. 404-202-2233, and following in the steps of my role model, Ray Judice, that is my cell phone number, there so you can go. call me anytime, although unlike my role model, Ray Judice, I do have hobbies. Okay. <laughs> I do occasionally do things like play golf or go out for a bike ride, so right. I, I may not always answer immediately like Ray does. You are more interesting than I am. I, I concede that. In fact, most people are. <laughs> but, you know, just the way the, the way it's just, the, it's just, just way how it worked works. out you're, for me. You're grinding it out. I, I am, like I'm it. a grinder. Move, uh, moving the chains. That's the story of my life. There just you try, go. try to move them in 10 yard increments. 404 964 4185 is my cell phone. Office is now in Rosal, but we'll come to you. We'll meet you at a coffee shop or a place to get a burger and a beer and talk about your case privately. If you want me to look over some documents, send them by email, ray at rayglaw.com. I like to look at documents when I'm discussing somebody has a legal question, is trying to describe the document to me. On text or over the phone. Yeah, right. It's uh, funny, Ray just reminded me because so uh, I told you guys before, my dad was a criminal lawyer and a real hustler from the Bronx. Um, and he used to, he, he, for years and years, and even after he moved to Florida, he never had an office. Uh, but he would just meet clients like Ray's just saying, we'll meet somewhere. So, so his thing was, I'll meet you at the Denny's on Hollywood Boulevard. This is after he moved to Florida. I'll meet you at the Denny's <laughs> right. at Hollywood Boulevard. I'll be there at 730, bring $250 cash, and you're buying me breakfast. And then I'll hear whatever you have to say. That's great. <laughs> I'll take a moose over my head. And that was it. And when I graduated law school, I, I think my offer from him was if I wanted the booth across from him, yeah. I, could, I could have that booth at Denny's <laughs> and nice. make whatever I make. That's big That's living great. right there. That's great. We've, we've had a uh, uh, co-worker be on a grand jury for the last several uh, days, several weeks even, and that is uh, Chris Domino, who works across the hall at uh, the Fan 680-93.7 FM. And it got me to wondering about jury selection now that, that COVID has kind of at least subsided somewhat and we are, are back to normal for the most part. Is anything changing when it comes to jury trials and the way they're chosen or the way people are allowed to be there or not be there? Yeah, it's a great topic, and things are changing and have changed rapidly. Um, just going back a little bit to two years ago, uh, the legal system was caught completely off guard, just as were other aspects of yeah, society. Um, and so the courts completely shut down. And, and the state uh, Supreme Court issued a ruling that 
there would be extensions of statutes of limitations. There are extensions of every deadline, speedy trial demands in criminal cases. Everything got extended because the courts really didn't know what to do or how to uh, handle this kind of a pandemic. As the health crisis gradually eased, and understanding this was not a straight line easing, right? It was mm-hmm. uh, more of a bell curve and ups and downs like a roller coaster. They, um, courts started doing things their own way in coming back to the system. So some courts experimented with pure virtual jury selection. You could be at home and doing whatever you were doing or in your office, and here you are on a Zoom or some other platform um, at answering questions like you would as if you were in court. Very cumbersome way to do jury selection. Uh, very difficult on the lawyers asking the question, on the parties. Hard to really root out somebody's bias, let alone get anybody's attention. There were instances, one from a, a, a jury selection, I think in Florida, where somebody was in bed, you know, and you could see them with their head on the pillow, um, covers up to their neck. Another person was on their Peloton uh, trying to do like a marathon <laughs> right. session on the Peloton while it's jury selection. I mean, you know, kind of why not? But Theoretically, you should be fully engaged in the process. So to some extent, some courts are still using that or a modified version of that. Um, And then the others uh, who brought people in live but insisted on masks and distancing created other challenges. Yeah, I mean, we've got courtrooms that have uh, spent a lot of money on having plastic shielding between each juror's seat, between the uh, counsel tables, protecting the judge from the airborne respiratory virus. Uh, I don't know if that works or not medically or scientifically because I still think that the air is being recycled and there's nowhere where the air is more recycled than a courthouse. I mean, there's no windows that open. There's no doors that open up from a courtroom to the outside. All the new courthouses especially are basically sealed. Uh, it makes kind of a weird afternoon of just hearing the air conditioner blow all day. Uh, I'm, I, that bothers me. I don't know why it does, but it does. I hate that background noise. But my point is that trial work is so physical, which is why it's so exhausting. Uh, and the physicality of it is that you want to see the potential jurors and witnesses. You want to look into their eyes. You want to see what they're wearing. You want to see if they have a nervous tick. You want to see what books they're reading. Uh, And it's very hard to do that on Zoom. And then the problem for guys like Bruce and I, lawyers that have a lot of experience, well, Zoom is diluting our experience because that's what you learn after 30-plus years of the practice of law is the little things about jury selection or cross-examining a witness that, well, quite frankly, a young lawyer, they're on equal footing with you now because of Zoom. Right, and even just the clothes that somebody wears, you know, mm-hmm. if you're only seeing them from the neck up, you 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 have no idea what they're doing. Um, a recent trial that uh, my son Matt had in Fulton County, he's a lawyer in our office. Um, he said that the um, masks were worn in court all through jury selection. Um, one of the accommodations they made was that they, uh, as opposed to what people may have seen in their experience of coming in with everybody else and having everybody in the room together and. The lawyers and maybe the judge are asking a series of questions to everybody. You raise your hand if it's a yes for you, and then you follow up with individual questions. Here, they did that four separate times in four separate groups of 10 to try to create enough space for people to spread out in the courtroom, even though they wore masks while they're answering these questions. So it really slowed down the process. What should have been a day and a half start to finish trial became a three-day trial, largely because jury selection took up an entire day when in in a normal pre-COVID era, it would have been two hours. And I think we should 
make a line of demarcation between the different types of court proceedings. So in my world of criminal defense, we have what's called an arraignment. An arraignment is your first opportunity to come to court, enter your formal plea of not guilty, request a trial by jury. It is very procedural. That's fine for Zoom. We don't need 150 cases packing into the and you know the small state courtroom that was built for 50 cases 20 years ago, and have every lawyer spend three to three and a half hours turnaround from leaving home to get in the courtroom and getting back to office when we could do it by Zoom and it's just perfect and we can send documents and DocuSign and all that's great. But in the criminal defense world, my client has the right to face his or her accuser. And I don't believe Zoom allows for that. That's not what I consider to be an effective cross-examination under the law. It's called a thorough and sifting. That's, that's what they teach us. And, and that, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But it means for me I want to be about as close as the judge will let me get to the accusing witness, whether it's the officer or detective or an individual. And I, I, want to, I may want to intimidate him a little bit. I don't mean that improperly. When I was a baby prosecutor, the senior prosecutor said, wear a blue suit and a striped tie and talk loud because you want to own the courtroom. Well, that's, yeah. that's a trial it, technique. You've brought it up before that yeah. it is, it, there, there's a little bit of theatrics involved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and same with the prosecution. You know, they're wearing their blue suit and their flag pin and they get the table closest to the jury so it's, they can act like it's their living room. And that's the dynamics that we trial lawyers. First of all, we just love it. It's in our blood. But secondly, it just can't be replicated especially in the criminal defense world, uh, to a level that allows what I think is fairness. And even just the just wearing masks, like this trial mm-hmm. I mentioned from last week, um, if you're doing jury selection, you're really trying to read mm-hmm. not just the verbal responses you're getting from people because people say things, but their body language, their facial expressions. And, and you get a... a you just can't tell, right? I've got I mean, 12 jurors that are laugh, that are smiling when I'm asking the most important question. <laughs> right. I might want to know that. Yeah. I can tell that they're rolling their eyes at me, but that's about <laughs> it. You know? And so right. it's, it's, um, it, it is difficult to try to see if you can read somebody when, when they're masked like that. Um, and in the trials that uh, we've seen here lately, the witnesses take their masks off when they're on the stand. Uh, the lawyers can keep their masks off when they're speaking, but they have the masks on when they're at the table. The jurors keep their masks on the entire time. So beyond just the discomfort in your personal life of being there uh, and having to take the time out to show to come down to the courthouse, you're also you know being made to wear a mask in court, which for some people, you know, they can lose their minds over that. And and you know maybe as a criminal defense lawyer, you want. Somebody really angry, losing their mind. Like uh, yeah, I, I mean, look how people but, are behaving on a two-hour flight from Atlanta to New York just right, to yeah, pick. Right, I yeah. mean, two hours in a nice chair with someone bringing you a Coca-Cola, and you can't keep. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't have the mask on. That's not my point. But, yeah, my point is that it's making the, the behaviors. Beha- yeah, right. Yeah. And and look, we may have a we may have a three-week trial, and we may have jurors that are concerned about their health. They may be immune compromised or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so are they focusing on my case or are they trying to get out the door? Yeah. One thing that's interesting about the jury selection process when it comes to Zoom, um, normally courts send out jury summons. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this show has received in the mail that dreaded jury, jury duty summons. Um, and the percentage of people who just don't show up is very high. It, it's so disappointing. But for most of these counties, if they get 50% of the people showing up, they feel like they're they're winning, right? 
what courts have found and, and administrators at courts love is that with the Zoom summons saying you just have to click on your phone or computer and you, you are here, they're getting like 80% compliance mm-hmm. if people are showing yeah. up. So from the court administration standpoint, they love it. From the lawyer side of things, Ray and I do not love it. Not so much. Yeah, I can see where that would be irritating. We will continue next here on Extra 106.3 with Your Day in Court featuring Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President Stacy Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacy's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Let's talk about bankruptcy because that is something that I think a lot of Americans, especially with the things that we've gone through in the last couple of years, whether businesses or personally, they've had to file bankruptcy. And there's so much mystery around when you can file bankruptcy, what it takes to get that process started and completed. For individuals now, we'll talk about individual bankruptcies. A Chapter 13 is a restructuring of your debt. So you look at the full volume of your debt, your creditors, those are the people you owe your money to, will be put into different categories categories based on is there collateral for example you have a home with a mortgage that's a secured debt so that's put into one category and then there's unsecured debt like your credit cards, credit cards or, yeah. or medical bills and medical bills really are the thing that push people into bankruptcy more than anything but a chapter 13 is an attempt to say that I make money I have a job I just can't handle all of this debt I've accumulated so let's come up with a plan and I'll repay it out of my income a chapter 7 is more of the traditional wipe the slate clean we're going to eliminate all this debt. I'm only allowed to keep a small portion of my assets, which I can exempt from bankruptcy here. And everything else, if there's anything left, goes to creditors. But after that, I don't repay anything and I move on with a clean slate. There are a lot of alternatives for bankruptcy. It really should be a last resort. Um, there are a lot of services out there that will help you to deal with credit card debt, for example, if you're overextended or if you're dealing with temporary problems due to disruption in your income, you know, how to deal with that sort of thing. But it comes up a lot of times and sometimes it really is your only option. Yeah, well, believe it or not, a bankruptcy is authorized, federal bankruptcy, in the United States Constitution. Article 1, Section 8, where the framers, who were capitalists, by the way, in case anybody 
in the current Democratic Party thinks that they were socialists. They were capitalists. They believe in landowners should vote and that there should be a way for people who had debt to resolve that debt without taking down a business or having everybody fired. And each of the 13 original colonies had their own set of bankruptcy laws. So the framers of the Constitution authorized the United States Congress to make uniform federal law. So bankruptcy law is federal law. And there's also one other chapter, Bruce, and that's chapter 11, which applies to corporate entities and businesses. So 7 and 13 are for individuals. 11 is for corporations. I don't do bankruptcies either. I've done a handle a couple just as Bruce said, when you're a young lawyer and somebody says, well, what kind of lawyer are you? Your answer is, well, what kind of lawyer do you need? Okay? <laughs> and that's what I am. Or can I bring in the case and bring it to a friend of mine who knows how to do it and we all make a little money and get a good outcome? Used to be you could bankrupt a whole lot more things than you can now as an individual. I believe it was the Great Bankruptcy Reform Act, and I think it was passed under Clinton. You can correct me, Bruce, but I think that's right. So it's at least 20-something years old. And it removed a lot of things that you used to be able to file bankruptcy for. And one is college debt, tuition debt. You used to be actually able to at least reorganize it to cut out the interest rates and to get on a better payment plan. But under certain circumstances, you could actually bankrupt some portion of your college debt. Credit card debt, consumer debt on cars and things like that. We're all under this big bankruptcy reform act that have been eliminated. So it's much more difficult not to file bankruptcy. You could file pro se. The forms can be downloaded online. The federal court does a great job with this, the federal courthouse. You could almost do it yourself. There are firms that specialize in individual court, uh, bankruptcies. It's The fee is like 1500 bucks. I mean, and the filing fees are $185, and I'm not trying to cut anybody out of a fee, but those are volume. And if you ever went to one of these hearings, the creditor hearings, it's bam, 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 bam. They knock them out in, what, 45 seconds yeah, a case, it, it's, if it's, that it's, much. It's very rare that creditors even show up yeah, for show those up, sorts right. of things. But, you know, the, the other thing to look at is that in today's world, right? So somebody, let's say they have a disruption in their income for whatever reason. Job maybe, loss, maybe, whatever. Yeah, maybe they lost their job or they have their own business um, and it's just struggled um, during the last couple of years, but they also own a home and, and they've lived in that home for a period of time. Well, your home prices have soared. There, there was something recently said in the month of October alone, 18. national ho- home prices, what, 18%, 18%? Something like that, right? Yeah. Just in a month. And and so home home values have soared. So Maybe that means you can get a home equity line of credit and, and get to money that way to live on. But of course, banks don't just give you uh, equity unless you've got the ability to repay it, yeah, right? right? So so now he's like, well, I think I have to file bankruptcy. I have these medical bills or whatever it is. I can't pay. I can't keep up with my mortgage. You're going to lose that house because it's worth so much more than it was a year ago and two years ago because of uh, inflation and home, home prices. And, and that lender has a security interest there. So they're going to come in and say that, look, you've got to pay back our mortgage. Somebody's going to buy this. Um, and, and, you know, you're kind of stuck. So, so for so many people who have money tied up in their home, it can be a real problem and prevent you from filing bankruptcy yeah. and, and lead you to look for other ways to pay back uh, your, your bills. And, and so, when you have uh, assets or you have money coming in in the future under contracts, but you have an enormous amount of debts, the bankruptcy court appoints a trustee who is actually sort of the supervisor and the trustee. I had a personal injury case where I represent an injured party hit by a a commercial garbage truck. It was a good case, but the young man had filed a very significant uh, corporate bankruptcy a couple years earlier with lots of debts. We were able to settle the case 
pay off all of the debts, 100 cents on the dollar, pay the trustee, and I got a fee too. And it was old Judge Kahn who wrote the bankruptcy book. Yeah. And I was a baby lawyer, and he said, young man, you can come back here anytime, anytime we can get the creditors paid 100 cents on the dollar. <laughs> yeah, it brightens, up, it brightens yeah. up our day because most creditors get about two cents on the dollar. Yeah, and, and for the cases we handle, so if somebody has an active Chapter 13 case, but they also have a personal injury claim, well, the trustee owns the personal injury That's claim. That's right. So we end up getting hired by the trustee to represent the injured person. And if we do get money that normally, if there were not a bankruptcy, would get paid to that person at the end of the day, well, that money now gets paid into the bankruptcy court. So it accelerates the plan. There's a benefit to the debtor, to the injured party, because they can get out of bankruptcy faster, whatever, but they're not going to be able to see usually any of that money that they would otherwise get if they hadn't filed bankruptcy. As a general in the bank, the trustee really runs the show. He or she is going to, uh, in fact, I've had one where I, I finally said, listen, if you're going to tell me how to do this, I'm going to notice you to every damn deposition yeah. that we're going to have yeah. if yeah. you're going to second guess me on everything. Right. But at the end of the day, before I could accept settlement of the case, technically on behalf of the client, but the trustee had to approve the settlement. And once the trustee does, the judge signs off and 99% of the time. Just one quick war story before we go. I I had a case like that and we had a trustee and understand that when it's a, an outside trustee doing this, they're incentivized to get as much money for creditors as possible because they get a percentage. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So they're trying to do it. So, So I'm now working really to get money for them, or at least that's how they see it, right? So we had a case, and it was a good case, but we we knew from our, and I say ours, me and, and my senior associate, in between us, we probably had about 400 jury trials and personal injury cases. We knew the value of this case, and we knew we were getting great value in the settlement offer, and the trustee would not approve it. And, and I ended up filing a motion to the court to approve the trustee. Well, there's no provision for this to, to happen by way of a motion. And I get a call from this guy screaming at me like, you can't file this. You can't. I said, hey, guess what, buddy? I just did. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the judge why you know more than the collective wisdom of me and my senior associate in our 400 trials that we've had in this when you've never tried a case in your life and you don't know the first thing about it. I'll let you explain that to the judge while you're standing in the way and telling us that we need to try this case for you. And your representation, the continued representation of the client was approved by the court yeah so now you put the trustee in a tough wicket and sometimes you have to that case never had a hearing the trustee immediately gave us his approval because he didn't want to have to stand up in front of the judge and and make an ass out of himself which is what he would have had to do yeah that's bad news right there so if you ever have questions then reach out to the best lawyers in the state of Georgia, best lawyers in the country, and the best lawyers in the world, for that matter. Universe. The don't don't universe. stop there. I, yeah, yeah, don't look, stop limiting I, us, Doug. I, I, say, I feel, on, I feel horrible. I thought we were friends. I did, see, that's the thing. i got to yes. do better. i got to do better. everything. I know, right? How do folks get a hold of you in case they have questions, concerns about things that you can deal with, or maybe you can refer them to someone? Anytime, uh, 404-522-7553. Bruce at Hagen-Law.com is the website. Bruce at BikeLaw.com will work as well. Happy to answer your questions for whatever it might be. There you go. Yeah, uh, when I moved here in 78, all there was was 404. Now there's all these other right, area yeah, codes. Man, 404-964-4185. Ray Giudice, G-I-U-D's and David, I-C-E. It means judge in Italian. And uh, just look me up. We'll try to help you. And if he went too fast for you, RayGLaw.com works too, right? You got it. Yes, yeah, an easy one. It redirects you right to where you need to be. This is your day in court in many homes across the country and here in the state of Georgia. 
Many people have guns. What is your liability? What's your responsibility? What happens if a gun goes off in your house? What happens if your kid gets a hold of a gun and 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 does something that uh, is against the law? It could be as uh, you know something like sh- shooting the dog next door. I don't know. It could be anything. What is the responsibility of a gun owner? With a gun inside their home. Well, first thing is that even though uh, the Second Amendment of our United States federal constitution grants us certain rights to bear arms, as you pointed out, there is some other language about a, a well-regulated militia that never seems to be brought up. I, I think I think the framers sort of had that in mind, but that's okay. It hasn't been interpreted as strictly as, as some of us think it should be. But nonetheless, one should also know there's 50 states and uh, D.C. and Puerto Rico and all these different states and jurisdictions have different gun laws about can you carry a concealed weapon? Can you carry a weapon in a public place? What is considered a, a rifle, which is a hunting weapon, versus a handgun, which is more of a defensive weapon? What's a target pistol? What's a, a skeet shooter shotgun? Sure. So so you, you've got guns. I've got a couple guns. Uh, there's just so much, so many folds and wrinkles to it. So first thing first is... Don't think that just because your brother up in, in uh, South Carolina may have a couple of hundred guns and, and 10 million rounds of ammunition that you can do that in city of Atlanta, Fulton County. I don't right. know you can or can't, but you need to check and make sure. Right. All right. So first things first, check your local rules and regulations, state rules and regulations. Georgia's different than New York. New York has the Sullivan Act, which I think went into effect in the 50s when uh, Governor Rockefeller was the governor of the state of New York, which says you really can't have a handgun in, in the state of New York. And you can have a hunting rifle, but you can't have a handgun. That's being challenged as a Supreme Court case right now in the United States Supreme Court where somebody in New York was was prosecuted for transporting a weapon, a legal weapon, from one place to another inside the city of New York. And that law is under under significant challenge. Well, who was the football player in the New York Giants who shot himself in the in, leg? In the club. Uh, in the club. He was that wasn't Jason sweatpants. Pierre Paul? Is that who that no, was? Pierre no, he blew his hand off. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fire, right. Fireworks. Was it, was when it, we do uh, our July Odell? 4th show, we'll talk about uh, Jason Pierre <laughs> right. Paul. But he was prosecuted <laughs> yeah, with a felony just for having the weapon, having even though he shot himself. Literally adding insult to injury. <laughs> so, so he got prosecuted for having the handgun in the city of New York after having shot himself in the leg at a nightclub because he brought the but what's what's the real danger there of course is in a in a crowded area a bullet goes through that leg and now it's a live round and we just have a case which just occurred and this is a maybe we'll go in this direction in los angeles where there was some nut job in a mall hitting people with one of those big heavy kryptonite bicycle locks he had hit a couple of people and they somebody called 911 to the police come here we've got a guy he's assaulting people and he was shot by law enforcement with a rifle at close range. The bullet went through the decedent, the bicycle lock guy, and into a dressing room in one of the stores and killed, what, a 12-year-old girl who's trying on some clothes with her mom and bleeds to death in her mom's arms. So we have all kinds of issues there. I mean, law enforcement has the right. We give them the right to use handguns. We have a case where a, pro- a cop was just convicted of shooting a guy in a car and she's yelling taser, taser, taser while she pulls out her gun on the other side of her body and fires run round into his chest. So we've got a lot of limitations and the use of guns right now, while completely legal under the Second Amendment, in some circumstances we are really pushing, I think, the boundaries of what's 
what's appropriate and what's legal. Yeah, and a lot of the issues as, as they relate to gun ownership in Georgia um, and what your obligations are and responsibilities are there pretty much follow common sense rules of this, you know, which is that if you have a gun, it's your obligation to keep it secured, secured. right? And, and so prevent children from having access to it, right? You don't keep it loaded and under your pillow where kids are going to come there and um, have an opportunity to grab it. You should have a gun locker. You should keep your gun secure. If you leave the house, you want to make sure that it's locked up. You know, we have a problem in Georgia, just like all over the country, of car break-ins. And the number one reason for car break-ins is because people are looking for guns in the glove compartment or in the trunk. And so you have an obligation to secure your weapons. You have an obligation not to provide a handgun to minors. Um, Some states have different rules on this, Georgia being one of them, as Ray said. Uh, Wisconsin, we learned as it related to what's considered a hunting weapon uh, in Wisconsin in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, you know. So there's there's a lot of different rules on this, but it's common sense stuff. And and if you own a gun, you've got to make sure that you're taking reasonable precautions. If your kid is such a sneak that he's going to steal your key and know the combination because he looked over your shoulder or set up a spy cam to, to break into your gun safe and somehow or another gets your gun out after you've taken appropriate precautions to lock it up or some visiting friend that does the same thing, you've done your part. You've taken reasonable steps, and that's generally the, the standard that Well, you may not have done applies. your part as in good, in as good parent, parenting. But, but, right? but you've done your but part as a gun to secure owner. the way. Just, just like if you knew that your kid should not be driving because he's got a drug problem or a rage Suspended problem. Suspended license. Whatever it is. And so you take the keys away and you lock up those keys. If the kid goes and breaks into the drawer and gets the keys out and goes, you're not going to be responsible for that conduct. Yeah, because yeah. you're taking the precautions. So, yeah, but but then again, there's what we also have issues about civil liability. So remember now, there's how does the criminal law and prosecutors look at this? So we have a case in Michigan where a high schooler took his gun that was bought for him by his parents literally a few days earlier as a gift uh, to school and killed at least four or five, and I should know, but I don't remember. I think maybe even six. I think maybe it six, to six, you yeah. know, of his classmates. Uh, that prosecutor, that district attorney, is now prosecuting not only the young man for six counts of murder, but he's prosecu- she is prosecuting the boy's parents for homicide, manslaughter, for providing the gun, uh, and, and, and some real bad parenting stuff that Bruce was talking about earlier, if you want to jump in on that, of, of all the other issues that have led the prosecutor, which is very unusual. Right. In all of the school shootings, and sorry to say there's been so many. There's been several. I mean, the mom of the, the big case in Connecticut were 21 or 23. Sandy people, Hook. Sandy Hook. She bought that kid the AR-15 like two weeks earlier. She was not prosecuted. She might have been sued, but she wasn't criminally prosecuted. Right. And and really, the more active involvement on the part of the parent, the more likely it is sure. that they're going to find themselves brought into this. And yes, it is an exception of what's happening in Michigan. But you're also to a point where these incidents have become so heinous and so horrible that a prosecutor who has a legitimate, seemingly legitimate basis to bring a claim is going to bring it. And, and maybe there's a deterrent factor there against other parents who just are willingly providing their children who are not emotionally yeah. prepared to handle the responsibility of gun ownership with guns and ammunition and turning their head uh, or blind's eye towards a kid who really needs help and doesn't need to uh, be armed and, and have lethal <laughs> weapons at their However, disposal. I have not seen similar prosecutions, criminal prosecutions, 
when for a little junior's 16th birthday, mommy and daddy hand him a 500 horse keys to a 500 horsepower Mustang, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, no specialized driving training except passing the the uh, standard class to get his his or her license. And two days later, he kills a bunch of people. I haven't seen the parent. Now I've seen right. the lawsuits. Yeah, those are civil lawsuits for money damages, for negligence, punitive damages. But I haven't seen any brave prosecutors say, "Well, you know what? This was essentially a gun. It just happened to have four wheels, and you set it in motion." And you set it in motion when you should have, and we always talk about the issue of foreseeability. Is it reasonably foreseeable that a 16-year-old boy full of testosterone and, and nothing else Gets in his brain? Gets a 500-horsepower Corvette. And the first thing he does is pedal to the metal? Heck yeah. yeah. I would have done the same. I, and, and and goodness gracious. Thank, right. Thankfully, uh, I can't be prosecuted at this point, but uh, I was a speeder when I was 16, you know, in a little Mazda RX-7. Well, you know? when I was driving my grandfather's Oldsmobile 72 Tornado Ooh, and put the pedal to the metal. That's a 442, um, I think. If I could get that thing up to 40 miles an no, hour. No, 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 no. This, this thing, this thing, this it thing was, was like a tank. This thing was kind of run down. And mm. uh, they, my, my parents knew what they were doing when they said, here, you can drive this. <laughs> they were uh, actually thinking Grandpa happily gave that thing Man, up. I don't know. That might have been a Had it been restored, had it, had it been cared for, it would have been okay. a beast. But okay. no, this thing was the loudest <laughs> vehicle on the road. Yeah. Uh, and you couldn't get it past There's a 40. great Kathy Mateo song. Yeah, 18 Wheels and a Dozen Roses? No, no. 442. Oh, uh, four, uh, 444 what? Rocket. Yeah, 442. That's an old yeah, Buick yeah, with a big 8-cylinder rocket, 442. Look at you breaking out the country references. I got I a little in it. I love it. I like it. All right. You may, you may have to put Ray as a guest on your Braves country I, Absolutely, <laughs> man. We'll get in there and talk about the uh, the legal ramifications of going to uh, a ball game uh, liquored up or something. <laughs> Who knows? We'll hey, talk about something. I get him at come leaving from the ball game liquored <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We will continue next here on uh, Extra 106.3 with Your Day in Court featuring Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. 
This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court on Extra 106.3. We'll get you in touch with Ray and Bruce. If you need their guidance, if you need their help in the world that you found yourself in, a legal mess, they can certainly help guide you out of that. And we'll get you their contact information in just a little bit. But let's start with bail bonds. That's been a, a topic that's been in the news quite a bit. And either eliminating bonds or making it cheaper or cash bonds. Help me understand what it is that, that some people believe we need to do with bonds. Well, first of all, you know, understand what these are meant to be, right? Somebody gets arrested. They're charged with some offense. Um, they don't necessarily, for most offenses need to be sitting in jail the entire time awaiting their trial. They can be released back to society. Um, And the bond is intended to ensure that they will return for their court date, court dates, whatever it might be. And and it's a way of saying that, you know, we're balancing um, the need to keep you imprisoned versus the need for you to have your freedom. But we, you really do need to appear for this, um, this court case. So we're going to set a bond that, that will, Ensure you're going to return when it's time for your day in court um, and try to do it in a reasonable amount. In recent years, what has happened is that there is a a real movement, especially in um, inner cities, to try to come up with signature bonds because what you were finding was that the jails were being filled up with folks who were just too poor to, to post bond. And it was never the intention that you should just be in jail and sit in jail because you're too poor to be out. And so for into ideally offenses that weren't necessarily violent crimes, folks that didn't have tremendously long records and certainly didn't have a history of failing to appear in other cases, you know, sign yourself out and, and come back. Well, you know, you know, in recent years and with various reasons why there are upticks in crime all over, this has been one of the things that has been very controversial is, hey, we're just letting people right back. It's a revolving door. They get arrested. They get back on the street. They get arrested. They get back on the street. And we're having just this uptick in crime. And is it because of the signature bond, you know, no cash bond system? Yeah, I mean, bond is to allow folks that are accused but not convicted, okay, that's step one, to get in jail, get processed, and get out and get on, get back to work maybe, get back to school. A lot of people are... A lot of the people charged with crimes are not awful people. They've made a mistake. Uh, they've committed a crime. Mm-hmm. But a misdemeanor shoplifting shouldn't mean you do 60 days in jail. I mean, that's how I feel about it. Uh, you should be able to make a signature bond or a very low amount bond. Here's your court date. If you're, Let's look at the video and see if you're guilty or not. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the pattern. Bonds are set at higher numbers in the state of Georgia for what we call the seven deadly sins, murder, rape, trafficking of drugs, child pornography, child molestation, armed robbery. I think I've got six of the seven. You do, There's yeah. another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, and, uh, and those it, those it, bonds have to be set by a hearing in front of a superior court judge, not a magistrate on the weekend. I'm not knocking our weekend magistrates, but that is a real court appearance where the district attorney is there and the criminal history is shown and the victim has an opportunity to be heard if so and those bonds are hard to get and we are not a we are not a signature bond state like some places are on on the serious crimes okay it doesn't mean a bail bond can be set low uh, there was an outrage over a, a guy in uh, Atlanta that was charged Fulton County charged with shooting at an officer there's initial bond was set uh, the district attorney made a very public uh, 
position that it was inappropriate, and that bond has been raised and reviewed by the judge. Now, that guy may make that bond. The family may have a piece of property. They may go down to the bail bondsman and pay the 12 to 15 percent. But that does help ensure that that person's going to come to court, especially if you've got a family member that's put up grandma's house. Uh, someone yeah. going to make sure Johnny there. comes to court. you got to be there. On the lower, the lower misdemeanor charges and traffic charges, however, the city of Atlanta uh, three, four years ago, made a big plunge into the, the no-cash bond uh, situation. And what they're finding is that the appearance rate has, has dropped dramatically. The no-show rate has increased dramatically. And those are called FTAs, failure to appear. And they have significant ramifications. If it's a traffic matter and you fail to appear, not only will there be a bench warrant issued for you, but your driver's license will go into suspension, and you're not going to get it back until you resolve that case. Mm. And what will happen is, and I always tell clients, look, let me explain to you how this is going to go down. You're going to be on the way to the most important event of your life, you know, the great job, your wedding, your child's birth, and you're going to get pulled over, and you're going to get taken to jail on the FTA without a bond because you don't get a bond on a new case when you skipped bond on the first case. So, uh, But what's going on in the dramatic increase in crime – uh, in many cities throughout the country, I think is at least partially uh, due to allowing people who come out, get out on bond, who are just violent. And they have terrible histories of violence, and they're going to commit more violence as soon as they get out. Yeah, and so, um, you know, what's, it, people don't know what to do when these situations come up unless they've been through it too many times. That's and right. the ones who really do know what to do, uh, you know, Ray has a different pricing structure for them when they, <laughs> when they come right. in for help. but. Uh, you, you know, there's there's a whole industry out there of uh, bail bondsmen, and and some are honorable, and some are not. And um, you know, again, these are reasons to try to get in touch with an experienced lawyer if you need help like this, because it really is a, a challenging thing to to navigate. A lot of times, Ray and I will get calls, and it's not from the person who's behind bars as much as you know we've seen that you get your one call. Who right. you call? Right? Yeah. They, they call home, of course, because the person at home can make a hundred calls. Yeah, right. Um, they they might only make one call, but the person at home then who's like, oh, well, I know Ray, and he's helped me before with something. Or I know Bruce, and they call us, and we then try to walk them through this process. And so it really is something that that folks just don't understand how it all works. Yeah. I will say that the bail bonds that I've worked with in the last thirty some years are very ethical. Uh, each county sheriff and jailer has the right to certify the bail bonds people. So you just can't open up your own business. You have to place a very high surety bond with the state. Uh, you have to pass background checks. So so I have found that in my uh, history of, of doing this business that the bail bonds folks are uh, quite, quite ethical. Now, <clears throat> you may be separating out from what are called bounty hunters, those are folks that come after you when you skip bail. And I we've know seen one. Some, yeah, and that's a little bit of a rougher trade, one. okay? I mean, they're, they're, that's a hard business, and uh, they play hardball. I'm not kidding. That guy I was in the Navy with, he like I see his pictures all the time, <laughs> and, and I love him. He's, it's, it's, it's crazy because his persona and what he does doesn't match. Like, he, he grows his own vegetables in his garden up in north of Chattanooga. And then the next picture, he'll be in like fatigues going to get somebody. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting profession because they're they're quasi legal as they go about their business, but sure. but they're kind of outside the legal system, and so you know they're 
charged with bringing people back to to go to appear at the jail and and you know make sure that bond is not forfeited. But they don't work for the state. They don't work for the government. They work for the bonding company. Mm-hmm. And so you know there have been some pretty high profile legal cases where bondsmen have really gone beyond uh, what they should have been doing and caused harm to folks. And suddenly there's legal exposure to the bondsmen. And and you know they're never really employees of the uh, the. I'm oh, sorry, that bounty hunter. They're not yeah. employees of the bondsman. Um, but, they're independent you know, there's, there's subcontractors. Legal, there's legal <laughs> ramifications regardless yeah. as independent <laughs> contractors. And I was mentioning, too, that you know one of my all-time favorite movies um, with Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro is Midnight Run, which is essentially about a, the, an accountant for the mob who doesn't uh, show up in court when he's supposed to. And Robert De Niro plays the bounty hunter charged with going and bringing him back. To, to appear in court to test well to face charges, but he's supposed to testify against the mob, which he knows is a death sentence. And so it is just brilliant and so well written, so well acted, hysterically funny. Midnight Run. I'm going to go not find a new it. Movie, but it's definitely worth finding. I am going to go find it. All right, if somebody runs a buck of the law or uh, has a bounty hunter after them. What would you recommend, Bruce? How do they get a hold of you? Well, try try to avoid those sort of situations ahead of time. You know, uh, prevention. Maybe some planning. An ounce of prevention, as they say. But uh, easy to get hold of me, Bruce, at Hagen-Law.com, H-A-G-E-N. 404-202-2233 is the cell number. Uh, We handle personal injury claims of all sorts, but we can certainly help help you if you have a different matter to find what you need. Uh, we know a lot of great lawyers in a lot of different practice areas. So, Elon Musk, if you're listening and you need some antitrust lawyers, I'm sure I can point you in the right direction. Right. But on a serious note, if you do have a failure to appear or a warrant out for you, call a lawyer. Get that lawyer to arrange yourself to be turned in. It is a whole lot better to walk into the front of the jail or the courthouse with your lawyer next to you than it is that a fugitive squad kicking in your door at 2 o'clock in the morning with the, with the flashbang grenades and the dog and all that. I mean, things just go bad. So turn yourself in if you can. 404-964-4185. We'll plead you not guilty and defend you, but let's get the process resolved. There you go. This is your day in court on Extra 1063. If you ever miss an episode, make sure you listen in podcast form. You can do that across any of the podcast platforms. Apple, Spotify, Google, or even Amazon, and you can always listen on the Extra 106.3 app on demand. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest 
largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.